This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Tonight's leader is Carol. Thanks. Um, I'm Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Carol. Um, You know, I've been in OA since 1986, and since in that time, I never showed pictures ever. And um, part of the deal with the picture thing was that I thought, well, I don't look any different. Or, you know, in the thinking with that, and I'll pass my pictures around, um, was that I thought, well, I could never, like, kind of get, I could never get, like, an abstinence that I felt like I had really kind of... transformed or something and I have had such body image issues that I don't know you know I never it's like when I weighed almost 250 I thought well I'm not that bad you know I thought I weighed like 205 and somehow that was okay and um, you know when I weighed 160 I thought well you know I don't look that bad you know it's like nutty you know when I weighed 127 I thought well, when I weighed 127, I thought I needed to weigh like 115, you know. So, I mean, I could have gotten on a scale and was 10 pounds, and I would have thought I needed to weigh 9. So, um, <clears throat> you know, but there's no dysfunction there. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I made this book of uh, pictures, which at first I thought, wow, it's really narcissistic. Like, I'm passing out, like, photos of myself. Like, But really, it was kind of more about kind of coming out of the closet about how I've been up and I've been down and I've been up and I've been down in this program and and throughout my life and uh, you know I always thought I was never good enough and um, there's this quote by this famous artist who has really inspired me as an artist and she says uh, the thing that's important to know is that you never know you're always feeling your way and that really kind of sums up for me my understanding of the steps because I've worked the steps now four times and um, you know the first time I worked them in 1986 was because I thought I should you know like you know people said get a sponsor work the steps and so you know that's what I did Um, but I didn't really like well, well let me get to that anyway I grew up in New York and Massachusetts, and um, I grew up in a really dysfunctional family, which I know is a very shocking thing to be told in a 12-step meeting, Um, where, you know, as a child, I had to be able to, like, read a room like the amazing Kreskin, because it was, like, always a volatile situation in some way. And so um, things were really always a little bit eggshell-like at my house. And... um, Everybody went out of their way to not feel their feelings. That was sort of how I was raised. Like, if you had a feeling, you should go and get as far away from it as possible. And so, anyway, um, my father died when I was seven, and um, he had thyroid cancer, and um, my mother uh, couldn't deal with it. And so... My mother and my father both created this, as my mother put it later, we made a game of it um, so that, uh, you know, I wouldn't know. 
and that my sister somehow wouldn't know. Of course, in reality, my father left to go to the hospital and never came home. And um, anyway, so my father dies, and um, there's this unspoken rule that we're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to bring it up. So that was sort of like the beginning for me of like kind of like denial masterclass and um, so that that kind of started it off and um, I had this memory of my relatives at the um, after the funeral saying oh wow you must you must be so you must be so sad and I remember thinking why like we've got all this fancy food in the other room like we have we have like special food it with like special toothpicks you know and it was a really like I didn't I didn't put it together at all until about um, maybe a month later and um, you know I'm seven years old and I'm walking home from the bus by myself in Massachusetts like this is a different time you know what I mean like you would never let a seven year old walk home from the bus by themselves um Anyway, so I'm walking home from the bus, and the next day is um, father-daughter, or father-child day, like it's Father's Day, whatever. And I realized, like, I don't have a father. In fact, I'm not ever going to have a father. Who am I going to bring? You know, like, I won't have anybody to bring. And it was at that point I realized, because I was having a lot of issues with my mother, that um, I had to grow up and had to be an adult and I could basically not trust anyone because I'd been having these like things happen where my mom kind of checked out because she couldn't handle it that the love of her life was gone and you know I happened to be a precocious child who would always be the one who would say what's wrong with this picture and you know so that was really really uncool and so I learned to kind of shut myself down like just compartmentalize shut it down and um, just survive. And part of my coping mechanism was food. And um, I used food because I didn't want to feel my feelings. And you know, I, I didn't like I didn't like myself. I didn't I didn't like know anything. You know, I was just trying to like survive and keep it together. And um, in my photos, it's. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing because I um, I was always just, like I said, I was always trying to like just keep it together, just hold it together until fill in the blank. And, um, you know, when I was in, when I was in junior high, I lost a lot of weight because I was like chubby. And um, then I lost a lot of weight and I was looking kind of normal. And then I went to high school and I lost more weight. And, um, you know, I, my mom used to say things to me like, um, you know, if you lose weight, like it was this big focus in my family, like Carol needs to lose weight. Oh, my God. You know, it was it was just, you know, it was her issue. I mean, yeah, I wanted to lose weight, too. I didn't want to be the way I was, but I didn't want to claw my way down. And I had no idea how to deal with my feelings because... The only way I knew how to deal with my feelings was to not deal with them by going unconscious with food. So anyway, I lost weight, and I was 127, and I thought, wow, I look like other people. Amazing. Like, that is so incredible. 
But that was only on the outside because on the inside, the inside, I was just trying to keep it together, and I didn't trust anybody, so I didn't know how to like let anybody in, and so I felt like I was kind of like a like I was always acting or something, and um, I because I didn't trust anybody, it's like nobody ever really knew me, and my mother didn't know me. I mean. No one knew me. It was all about self-preservation. And um, so when I left home at 17, I, like when I was 14, I, I knew I had to get out of my house. It was really an abusive situation. Um, you know, my stepfather uh, would, um, would argue with me and would, uh, like, bait me every night in some kind of an argument. And I would either be, like, completely not even just, like, you know, a catatonic child... Um, or I would get into these arguments with him. And um, they were just, he was an abusive guy. He was a resentful person. He, his kind of motto in life was, they owe me, they owe me. Like whoever they were, they owed him. And, um, you know, I used to think, like, he'd come home from work and he would proceed to tell my mother about what he ate at lunch. And that would be like this really big focus at our dinner table. And, you know, he'd go into like, uh, you know, I had the Frankfurter today. Yeah, it was three ninety nine. It's a good deal. I mean, you know, and I would sit there and I would just think like, okay, he's like Art Carney. And, um, you know, like, can't they talk about anything of interest? And, but that wasn't the part where he would bait me. He would bait me, he would like push me and push me and push me about issues and, and things, and I wasn't okay, and I was always fresh, and it was just like this thing that would happen like every day. And so I would just like shut myself down. And um, so when I left home, I became, uh, it was like the lid came off of Pandora's eating box. And, um, you know, I just, I just like ate and ate and ate and did as many drugs as I could do. I would do anything that would take me out of my body, basically. And, um, you know, it wasn't a really good time. And um, then I went to Manhattan. And uh, in Manhattan, it's sort of like my world really fell apart. That was in the early 80s. And um, I went to Manhattan because I'm an artist, and uh, I went to go to the School of Visual Arts, and the day before school started, I had to withdraw from all the classes that I had picked out because I couldn't pay for the whole year of tuition. And um, it was $3,000, which now, of course, would be like $35,000. And um, I, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, that was my dream, to go to the School of Visual Arts in New York. And... I had to walk away from it. And so I really plummeted into an incredible depression, and I really went crazy with eating. And um, I think at that point I'd probably gained at least uh, 60, maybe 80 pounds, and then I was, like, yo-yoing down a little bit and then going up. And it's like I kept eating to, um, to find home. You know, I kept I had felt like there was this promise in like every Chinese restaurant, you know, there was this like promise of like 
you know, mind-numbing nirvana that I was going to hit, and then I wouldn't have to be attached to all the stuff that I had no idea how to deal with. And so, like, living in Manhattan was like every deli, every restaurant, you know, was like it was like some kind of promise of home that I was never going to find. And, um, and I became really despondent, and, uh, and I was like uh, 22 at that point, and I um, found that there was like some kind of therapy place that you could go to. And so I went to this, um, this like, I think it might have been free, I don't know. Anyway, I went to this place, and it was the first time that I had ever like, met with a therapist and told them, my father died when I was seven, and um, I don't think I've ever really grieved over it, and I'm, I'm really kind of depressed, and I'm really lonely, and um, I'm eating all the time, and um, I hate my job, and, you know, I, you know, all blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, oh, I'm sorry, our time's up now. And I just thought, what? Because here I had, like, let myself have these feelings. I told this person, and it's like, mm, sorry, our time's up. And... I just thought, are you kidding me? Like, and so I, uh, so that was a day that I went to the subway and I thought, maybe I should jump in front of the train. Maybe this is the day for that. And I just, you know, it was like I was really kind of, I thought, well, what if I screw it up? What if I just get, like, maimed? And then I'm just like, then I'm really a, like, I mean, it was like, I, I didn't do it. I mean, I'm here, obviously. But, um... But it was like to that point, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know that there was OA. It's, like, like, it's not like I was going to go to Weight Watchers for, like, counseling, you know. Um, but I still kept thinking, like, ah, oh, I should lose weight. If I just lost weight, my life would work okay. Except that that wasn't what it was about. And so, you know, I was really, um, I didn't want to feel my feelings. I didn't want to be in the present moment. I was really focused on looking towards the past or fixating on a future that has, wasn't going to happen, but I was hoping that it would. And so I missed this whole moment. And so anyway, in 1986, I found OA, and um, I went to a meeting um, because my friend who I worked with was in like every 12-step program but the one that really affected me was that she was in OA and she was thin and so I was like oh my god you're thin well I want to go with you sure I'll go with you I had no clue like OA I mean I just thought it was like Weight Watchers I thought people were going to clap I didn't you know like I really didn't have a clue and um and so I went to this meeting, and uh, it was a pretty big meeting, and it was in Capitola in, you know, the Santa Cruz area, and um, after I fled Manhattan. Um, and uh, I remember thinking, like, I can't relate to these people. Like, I just need to lose weight. I don't have this problem. I just need to lose weight. I mean, come on. And I thought... I'm way too hip and cool for, like, this group. Like, come on. I, I mean, but I thought, okay, you know, like, if the net goes, then I'll go. Okay, fine, I'll go. So, anyway, so I go to this meeting, and um, and there's people there who have, like, lost 100 pounds. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, like, what diet are they on? Like, and I didn't have a clue about this thing about the steps, I, I really didn't get it. I just thought it was like some place that you went to and, you know, people lost weight. 
and sometimes people talked. I don't know. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being so precocious at that point. And um, so anyway, about maybe like three or four days go by, and then I have like a binge to end all binges, and I'm kind of scared because I realize now that I've been to OA, you know, I realize like, oh, you know what? Like, I think I, I have a problem. Like, I think I might be like one of those people. And that was really a bitter pill to swallow because, you know, I just wanted to, like, go to a diet place. I really was so, I was so invested in this idea that it was about, like, weight loss and not about my life. Yet I was, like, incredibly unhappy and always depressed. And anyway, um, so I started going to OA, and I got a sponsor, and I worked the steps to the best of my ability. And um, But I didn't really understand, like, I didn't understand the God thing because I grew up uh, with people who believed in nothing. You know, I, um, I'm Jewish, um, and... My family wasn't religious, although my great-grandfather was a rabbi, kind of an irony. And then um, my grandfather was kind of religious, but then my parents were like, whoa, we are so out of here. And except when it was like a major holiday, and then all of a sudden it was like, we're Jewish. Well, of course we are, you know. And so it was sort of like, well, you know, like there's a scene, and I think it's Hannah and her sisters, or Woody Allen says to his dad, well, you know, do you believe in God? And his father says, well... (laughs) believe in God, I can't even work the VCR. And it's like, that's how my family was, you know? It's like, I I once said to my mother, like, do you believe in God? And she goes, well, you know, my back is against the wall, you know? And I thought, well, how does that work? And I'm like, you know, so I really had, like, had a really hard time with this God thing and this program. And, you know, like, the whole step three thing was like I felt like what do you mean turn it over you mean like like lottery numbers that they turn around in like a tumbler like I I didn't really understand it and um, I you know this whole thing about being powerless like at first I thought well you know being powerless that means you're weak like but I work out how can that be I mean you know it's like it just was like kind of a disconnect for me in terms of admitting things and and I realized that, you know, to admit that I'm powerless, it's like I'm not admitting that I'm, that I'm passive. I'm admitting that I can't control my life and that the way that I'm doing it doesn't work. And it took me a while to kind of grok that one. And I remember, like, my first, my first fourth step was um, a lot. It was like a lot of stuff. I mean, of course, I got really hung up in the whole form. You know, do I have to have a column here? Do I, wait, do I need a column there? You know, so it was like, that was kind of a stupid issue that I got hung up on and... But, you know, my first fourth step was, was like, all that stuff that I was trying to deal with in that stupid therapist's office in, you know, in New York, and it didn't really work out. So, anyway, so I did all of that. Um, I worked the steps. I didn't really like my sponsor. She was a nice person, but... Um, you know, I, I don't know, I couldn't fully relate. I thought it was sort of... I thought having a sponsor was kind of like having a friend... Who helped you with the program? And that's true for some people, but that's not true for all people, you know? And so, anyway, it was sort of like very formal, and I felt uncomfortable. And, you know, I worked the steps. I, I think I I, um, I didn't really fully get it. And I also had a really hard time with um, abstinence because, like, 
I didn't really want to define my food because I didn't really want to give anything up. I, for the longest time, I was like, okay, I won't eat sugar. And that was a hard one because I, I just, I wasn't quite sure. And um, I really, you know, was so invested in the crutch of food that I, I really didn't know how to quite hold it. And um, so I had a hard time with abstinence. Then the earthquake happened in 89, and I, I kind of had a little breakdown, and I, I, I was one of those people who had post-traumatic stress disorder, and um, so I had to do a lot of work on that, and I really hit a bottom because, of course, I turned to food because I was completely freaked out, and um, so I got a new sponsor, and is that 15? That's 20. Do you, I, I, if, 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 okay. All right. More? All right. No, 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 okay. Anyway, um, so I worked the steps again with a new sponsor, and I really worked them like my life depended on it, and it did. And my life really turned around, and, um, and I had a clearly defined abstinence that wasn't just I'm not going to binge. And, um, and it really made me look at what was my, what was having a spiritual Awakening, like what was that all about? And um, I really felt like it—it it really kind of cemented something in me. And um, I was able to go to Europe for four months and sort of go on this kind of spiritual quest in a way, ending at this spiritual place in Scotland called Findhorn, which was I thought like a real hippy dippy trippy place, but it actually turned out to be for real. And um, it pretty much changed my life and um, then I came back fast forward worked the steps again in like the mid 90s got a different sponsor um, and I felt like I really was starting to kind of like take it into my heart and really think about um, what the steps meant you know what each of the steps meant in my life and um However, I still was having a really hard time with abstinence, which shows in my pictures, if you look at the 90s, where it's like, you know, I'm thin and then I'm not. And then, um, but I had a lot of denial about admitting that I was in relapse or that I wasn't abstinent because I had been in OA for so long and I, all my friends were in program. And so it was like this thing where I didn't want to say, um, I'm not abstinent, you know, I'm having a hard time with food, you know, where all my friends around me were like, Happy, joyous, and free, woohoo! And I was like, really? Really? And so, you know, I had a hard time with this until, um, until I really surrendered. And um, when I moved to San Francisco in 2000, uh, I really had a reticence to come back to OA because I, I had been going to OA and then I came to this meeting once and I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to do this whole OA thing. And I was like still in denial, like I got a problem here. You know, this isn't this isn't really working. And um, it took me until like 2009 to like kind of, you know, in that meantime, I'd like lost weight and then I gained weight until finally I was like almost 250 pounds. And um, I uh, and I, I I had to admit like I'm in relapse. Like I had to say those words. I'm in relapse, and I'm willing to go to any lengths to have my life again and that meant actually defining my food and actually like defining my abstinence and um, 
and getting a new sponsor and going to meetings and not knowing people and like letting people actually know me I mean that was sort of unheard of you know it's like OA is a place that you can go to and you can hide you can just like hide out go to meetings make a cameo and leave say hello whatever but no one knows you and you can leave and go binge or purge or whatever and um but to like really come here and sort of like open yourself up to anything it's it takes a lot of courage and um so I really hit a bottom in, uh, like, it was like January of 2009. And, um, and uh, you know, it was really humbling to come to OA and say, uh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm a newcomer, but I'm not really a newcomer because, like, I've been going for, like, half my life. And, um, and I just want to say that the way that I came out of relapse um, was that I went to four to five meetings a week. I listened and I talked. I called three program people a day. I wrote 10 steps. I turned them over to a sponsor or a person that I trusted. I made a plan for my meals every day. I defined an abstinence that I could live with that made sense, but that wasn't a diet that I was trying to aspire to that I would never attain. Um, I prayed every day. I tried to develop a meaningful spiritual connection um, I called my sponsor. Uh, I worked the steps yet again for the fourth time, and I prayed for the willingness to deal with um, each step with rigorous honesty. And um, I also prayed kind of most of all for the willingness to feel my feelings and accept what is just for today exactly as it is right now. And um, also I pray to trust the unfolding of things that happen in my life because, you know, part of my deal with compulsive overeating has been to, um, you know, not want to accept things the way they are and want them to be different and to be really focused on the importance of them being different instead of going, this is what it is, this is how it is. It doesn't feel good, but at least I feel it now. And, um... um I guess the last thing that I just want to say is that, you know, a wise person said recently that um, it's a great life. Don't miss it. Don't hold on to resentments and, you know, build a shrine to the past. And uh, that really kind of resonated for me. So I guess that's it. <laughs>